Hello everybody, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby, and I'm recording an intro post-interview. Uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to interview Scott Thompson, famed actor, comedian, etc. The guy from Kids in the Hall, the funnier one. Well, he's my favorite, I like all of them equally. That's not true, I like Scott the most. He's also on uh, probably my favorite show uh, that I've rediscovered this year, which is a Larry Sanders show. I was so nervous to interview Scott, I didn't even ask him about the Larry Sanders show at all. A show I've been watching religiously for the past four months. Uh, Kelsey and I checked our Netflix queue the other night. The only two things on the first five pages of Netflix were the Larry Sanders show and Doctor Who. Anyways, uh, Scott was kind enough to let me interview him for British Young Things, and uh, he was also kind enough to let me post this show as a podcast. He will be at the Arlington Draft House this Friday and Saturday evening, uh, so you should definitely go and see him. He's a very, very funny man. He's a very kind man, and uh, hopefully sooner or later when the schedules work out, he will be appearing on the live show. Uh, I will be in Chicago on August 28th, 29th, and 30th. Live show at the Whistler on the 28th. Live show at the Hungry Brain on the 29th. And 8 by 8 at the Hungry Brain on August 30th. The following Friday, September 2nd, I will be back at the Wonderland Ballroom. And on September 9th, I will be back at the Wonderland Ballroom. Those are the next five shows. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here's my interview with Scott Thompson. Is it more stand-up based or sketch based, your current tour? No, it's stand-up. It's a, it's a dual stand-up show. It's yeah. you and Kevin. Kevin, yeah. Why are you doing stand-up? I'm not like saying you shouldn't be doing stand-up. It just seems like you've had a ton of success doing character-based stuff. Why go do stand-up? Well, because you can't really you can't really tour stand-up clubs doing characters. Really? I did it ten years ago in a show, and it just doesn't really work. Um, people come to see the performer's personality. And characters are a way of hiding, and they're more for theaters. Well, you talk about your characters like they're your children, so you... Yes. But I wouldn't put them through this. <laughs> really? So you... you they cons- don't, none of them have the balls for a stand-up club. Only one would be Buddy, but um, even Buddy's been dropped from this show. Is Buddy technically dead? No, no. I thought you killed yeah. him in the two... Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I wrote a piece for this, for this tour, mm-hmm. for Buddy... And I was doing it up until um, last week, um, and then I cut it because it just felt um, wrong to go from me being myself back to Buddy because Buddy, in many ways, was my stand-up voice when I couldn't really do stand-up. I couldn't physically do it because I didn't actually have the skills, but also... I couldn't do stand-up when I first started out because the climate wouldn't allow it. Uh, when you and say the climate, do you mean... In many mean... ways, Buddy Cole was my way of... The world was so homophobic. And, Got it. And, 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 and um, comedy clubs were so homophobic. But the idea of me actually being myself in a stand-up club was just impossible. But why, but like the Kids in the Hall didn't start out as a comedy club, like, troupe, you know what I mean? Weren't you guys opening for bands and stuff like that? No, but we were never, no, we, we started in a club, like a rock and roll club yeah, exactly. in Toronto. But that was, we never opened for people, we had our own night. Okay. And, and we changed things, we made our own um, world, but when I first met the Kids in the Hall, I had, I had, I had wanted to be a stand-up comedian, but the, I tried, I'd been... I never got past amateur night 
because the truth is, I the world was so different back in the this is like the mid eighties. Yeah. And you can't imagine what that would be like for a gay man. I mean, everybody yeah. first of all was dying of AIDS. Yeah. And comedy is a very macho world, and um, it was impossible. Do you still think words? Let's be honest. Honestly, they were so nasty to me. Do you think that's still true? Do you think comedy is still a nasty world? Absolutely, yes. And I think it's it's a deeply male world. Okay. And of all the performing arts, it's the it's the it's the macho one. Like you know, you acting and dance mm-hmm. and singing that's filled with queens. Yeah, not comedy. I don't no. know metal, punk rock, rock and roll. Still, way too many dudes for me. Yeah, stand-up comedy is like the heavy metal of performing. Okay. That's that's. Yeah, yeah, I'd say more like death metal. It's like Norwegian death metal. Who's your favorite um, death metal group? Even the women, like women, have to have balls to be great in stand-up. Uh, what female stand-ups do you enjoy? Oh, um, Kathy Griffin, uh, Sandra Bernhardt, Sarah Silverman, Rhea Bamford. Um, See, all of those women have been doing it for more than like fifteen years. Yes, they're all pros. Um, well, you don't get good. You, it takes fifteen years to get good. I think. Are you good? I think I'm good, yeah. I think I, I think this is the year that I got good. Really? It took this long? Yeah, I'm not saying that it shouldn't take this long. I've been dabbling with it for quite a long time, but dabbling never really... Because I, the truth is, I never... I didn't want to be... I wanted to be a stand-up, and then I gave it up, and I met, became a kid in the hall, and I was completely happy being a kid in the hall forever. And I still am a kid in the hall. And then when the kid in the hall ended, and our movie was a bomb, and I was doing Larry Sanders back in, like... You know, 95, 96, mm-hmm. 97, I kind of assumed that I would have a, a television career and a movie career and I would play characters and all that, but none of that none of that really played out. So I started dabbling with stand-up back in, in L.A., like in, you know, in the same way that, all, like, they all started, like Kathy Griffin, yeah. Margaret Cho, you know, Karen Kilgariff, um... Jack Black, Zach Galifianakis, all those people were doing stand-up then. Mm-hmm. And it was that alternative scene, Paul F. Tompkins, and it goes on and on. Oh, yeah. And that's where I started doing it. But at the beginning, I hated, I hated it because, what? first of all, I resented it. I resented that I had to do it. I was like, why can't I have a movie career? Mm-hmm. Why can't I have a TV career? But as we all know, that doesn't work. Um, well, you know, I don't know about and that. I had, and then I thought, why stand-up was such a... T- I never... I knew it would take forever to really lick it. And when I first started doing it, I was an actor doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. Now I'm an actual stand-up. I, 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 suddenly this year, I guess I'd done it enough that it, it suddenly clicked and I went, oh, I know how to do this. What took and, so... And, and that's why, you know, Buddy is... Like, I, I just, I hit from with Buddy. I mean, Buddy was like, I put on that voice and mm-hmm. I act queenie, and people, therefore, are lulled into thinking that the character is, um, toothless. Yeah. That's just a, a ruse, because the character is actually heavily armed and, um, not to be trifled with. But that accent fools them. 
I don't know. I think any. I think any semi-intellectual fan of yours knows like that. Buddy Cole is actually not someone you'd want to fuck around with. No, but it's the voice. You hear the voice, and uh, we are we are conditioned to think that a male that talks like that yeah. is not to be feared. Okay. And so, but that's the, but now I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I can be myself. I don't have to explain for fifteen minutes who I am. Yeah. That I'm, you know, they know who I am, and people are now used to seeing. Um, People, you know, gay men. Yeah. And I mean, being themselves. Yeah. On stage in comedy. And that was unheard of. There was no such thing as an openly gay stand up comedian yeah. in 1985. Okay. They just didn't exist. Okay. And, um, and, the, and the, there was so much hostility. You couldn't be funny, but if you came up as Buddy, you could. Okay. And I'm not saying Buddy's not dead. I'll bring him out again. But <laughs> for this tour, I just want to be myself. Well, it kind of reminds me of Craig Ferguson and Bing Hitler and all that stuff. You're doing character work. Well, it reminds me of Craig Ferguson and when he used to do stand-up as Bing Hitler. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know who that is, but... Yeah, that's kind of what got him to Edinburgh, and uh, he he was a punk rock drummer and didn't feel like he could do stand-up, so he would do character work in, and just say the most lewd things and go by Bing Hitler because it just for, people instantly forgave yeah. that. So. Yes, it's true. And now I, I, I just I like to do stand up, and then Kevin is, is learning it, and we're doing it together, and we do stick together. Well, I saw um, that at Largo recently that you had another kid in the hall open up for you and totally Kevin. Totally open for us, yeah. Was that just the weirdest night? Like, how did that work out? It's weird that the three of us are doing stand up, but you know, honestly, the kids in the hall have not had an easy road. No. Television. Um, we. We've had it rough. Yeah. Um, we have not had the same kind of road as the people from SCTV or Mad TV or SNL or The State or anyone. Like, we're not making movies and television shows. Well, you recently I, did make... I don't make... know why, but we've had, to, we've had to carve out a very different world. It's not... We're not like the guys from Python. You don't see us in movies and television shows. Yeah. Well, and um, I haven't been on television in many years in the States and I never got to play those characters that I thought I would for many reasons but so as a result here we are we're all middle-aged men (laughs) but we're still scrambling to make a living well you guys recently in the past five years you had death comes to town yeah that was just yes it just that was came out last summer Mm -hmm. but it was very critically successful but not remotely um uh, successful in the way people judge success today. Okay. Like, no one saw it. I had to, um, honestly, I had to search it out to find it. It was Yeah, kinda... like, no one, lots of people say to me, oh, what, what are you guys doing? And I say to them, we just did a television series. Most people have no idea. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? <laughs> I mean, I know that's a crazy um, open-ended question, and it's I not fair. that we've always been too far ahead of our time. I feel like you're five years too soon or five years too late on, like, everything. Yes. We're always... We're just... For guys with great timing, we have none. No, really. Career-wise, we have no timing. And I think people will appreciate Death Comes to Town in the future and go, man, this was amazing. But I think most people don't know what to make of it. And 
most people just assume that there's no possible way that the kids in the hall could be viable still. But they're wrong. That's, that series rocks. It's very, very good. Completely different than anything we ever did before. Mm-hmm. But I, I guarantee it will hold up in time. Would you ever consider, or you personally, to get another graphic novel financed or a film for Danny Husk, something like a Kickstarter project where the fans get to donate to you so you don't have to operate in the studio system? Well, that's what I'm working on now is a Danny Husk movie, actually. Good. For my graphic novel, because I published my graphic novel this year, Mm -hmm. uh, The Hollow Planet, and now we're working on turning it into a a full-length animated feature film. Why animated? Because it's a fantasy that takes place at the center of the earth, mm-hmm. and there's 30-foot women and telepathic mammoths, and lots of lots of kinky sex. Got it. So you can't. And do- <laughs> uh, it's just it's a, it would cost a hundred million dollars to make. No one's going to give me that kind of money. Fair enough. I know you. And, yeah. You've got to be so why. sick of talking about kids in the hall. I am, I'm very sorry to bring it up. It's just it's What's very. That? Excuse me. I'm sorry. I got lost there. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I'm you. Are you sick of talking about kids in the hall? Honestly, no, not at all. No. Are you sure? Because it meant a lot to me as a child growing up. I don't want to date myself. No, I'm here, not. I, I'm very um, proud of it, and I'm I'm a kid in the hall forever. Um, um I'm like a. It's like being the mafia. There's no getting out. <laughs> Is Brain Candy and a midnight movie anywhere? Is what? Is Brain Candy like a midnight feature anywhere? Like, well, I don't know if it is. I mean, we keep thinking that it'll eventually be that, but it, it's not. We kept assuming, oh, it'll be like the Big Lebowski, but I don't. It doesn't seem to be. No. I, you, I mean, I just heard it was playing. Seth Green presented it in L.A. a couple of weeks ago at some theater. That's good. Yeah, Seth Green presents his favorite comedy, and apparently it's Brain Candy. Oh, it's brilliant. And, I love it. And so, but I mean, it would be wonderful if it became that kind of a film. Because then it could be given a second chance. When I was working... And maybe we'd make it die. It, it's a brilliant film. When I used to work at Blockbuster, I'd loan it out to every single person that I knew that came in, so... Yeah, I think so, too. But, like, like everything in our career, it's never... Everything we do, we assume is going to eventually... It'll make us go into the mainstream, but we've never actually done that. Well, it seems that you're not meant for the mainstream. It seems like... It it seems like we're meant... Kevin always says we're like we're like the Pixies. You are like the Pixies. And and like we we changed everything but Nirvana came along and got all the money. Yeah. And it's like we're the Pixies and like other groups I'm not going to say who they are. The state. You mean the state. (laughs) No, it's I okay. Mean, the state took all the acclaim that you guys deserve. Yeah, like, I mean, I look at, like, because I look at all that, our generation of comedians, and I know all these people, and they're all starring in movies and yeah. making television shows and juggling development deals, and, you know, uh, I, I could be a bitter man, but I'm very happy with knowing that we were the ones that planted those seeds. I mean, we changed comedy. You did. But we didn't make money at it. <laughs> well, to be fair, a lot of the people that didn't make money are still producing great stuff, you yourself included. Do you think the whole podcasting WTF, WTF NPR listeners that are just now appreciating uh, alternative comedy are going to make a difference in your lifetime? I think so, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, America has changed drastically. Like, 
you know, in Canada, like, Death Comes to Town was very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows it here. Yeah. But the United States has a different country, and they, the States has a different sense of humor, and um, it's, America's only come to irony and satire in the last 10 years. Okay. And, um, whereas in Canada, that's very much part of the fabric. It's, it's very deep in our psyche. And, um, you know, like, like for example, like a John Stewart couldn't have happened 20 years ago, or Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. That couldn't have happened. But that, that kind of comedy. But that's changed everything. Yeah. And, and like, even like, the, the, you know, subtle humor in the States has always been kind of uh, a struggle. But there's so much of that now. There's a lot of character-driven comedy in the States, and America's not as slapstick as it used to be. Yeah. And, and there's a chance that maybe the Kiss in the Hall will eventually be. Um, will People will, like... Who knows? Maybe it will have a mainstream um, moment. I don't know. I wouldn't... I would love it, too, but the truth is we're only capable of doing what we like, and we can't really... We've never really adapted ourselves to any marketplace. We just do what we think is funny. That makes sense. And I, I guess that makes us artists. Well, you you definitely are, and it's kind of weird to compliment someone that is probably known for like wearing dresses or putting on an accent or uh, crushing people with their fingers as an artist. But you guys really are artists, and it's it's nice. I think so. I you mean, are. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that. I mean, I made that decision years ago to make art and comic art. And, like, right now, that's why I want to crack stand-up. I want to lick it. I want to be a great stand-up. Do you think that's possible? I do. Okay. Yes, I do. I want a great special. Like, I want Kevin and I to take this, and then I want one great special. I want to have, like, a... Like, I'd like to have, like, a live on Sunset Strip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, bring the pain. That kind of special. What? I want one. I How? want that great stand-up special. How do you know the material you're writing or developing is for a character or for stand-up? Well, that I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've been writing jokes for this buddy piece, and now I've decided to rape the piece for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they could, I, I don't know. Well, some characters, characters, there's certain jokes that just can't work that's made for the character. Um, I don't really know. Right now, I'm extremely um, focused on writing for myself and Kevin. How do you write? We work together. Really? We improvise together. Um, we sit at computers and write it down. Okay. We work it out on stage. I do it like for the stand-up. I'm doing a lot of just working it out, like on stage. Okay. When you I say work... I decided not to write things out. I just work them on stage. When you say working, when you say working or not, do you mean you'll go up with a premise like, okay, I have beach ball, yes. and okay, yeah, all right. Um, what about the what makes someone a good stand up, both from a uh, an actual stand up's perspective and from a fan's perspective? What's the do you have a difference in your head now? Say, yeah, I think the number one thing is 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 uh, confidence. Okay, you have to be confident on stage. You can't show weakness. Like that's a very big difference between you do a character. And if you show vulnerability and weakness and et cetera, that's great acting. That's what people want. Okay. But when you're a stand-up, you are a lion tamer, and you cannot show weakness because the audience are lions. The moment 
they sense weakness, they will go for you. Are you worried about cameras in clubs nowadays? Oh, absolutely, yes. Why is that? Yes, it's an absolute worry because the truth is I have such poor impulse control, mm -hmm. especially on stage, and I have no sensor button. That's so a good thing. Quite often I go into places that if they were recorded and posted on YouTube would destroy me. But that's a good thing. It's good as an artist, but it's very difficult in this world, which is so judgmental and um, quick to judge. And also, there's been such a war on comedy in the last few years in terms of people aren't being, ever since the Michael Richards incident um, and incidents like that in Canada as well, people aren't allowed to have a bad night. Do you preface the crowd or have your MC go up and say, please, no recording? Or is it just an assume, no, like, don't be no, a dick? No, we just ignore it. Okay. I, just have to, I cannot get caught up in that. Like, going, it just seems it's a losing battle. I have to, I have to kind of just accept that if someone does that and they post it, I just have to go, well, that's what I'm... Like, if I say something that I... I'm not, the problem is... You might have something posted, and you're not remotely ready to really show it. Oh, of course. But the audience can look and go, look what he said, look at those terrible words he said. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the comedians should be allowed the ability to work things out, and there shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be judged that way. I completely agree. I mean, you obviously heard what happened to Tracy Morgan, and I don't think that was fair because nothing was even released. You don't know what context. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was ridiculous. Did you hear what Chappelle recently did? No. About two weeks ago in Florida, somebody pulled out a camera within the first, like, ten seconds of the show. He goes, I'm not going to do the show, and he just stood on stage for 45 minutes in silence. And that's it. Wow. Because somebody pulled out a camera. I think that's the ballsiest thing I've heard to date. 45 minutes? 45 minutes of just sighing into a microphone. Well, did they bring the... Why didn't they just... Uh, um Get the, get the guy to put his camera. I think he did. I think I think he did. But then after that, Chappelle was just done. It was like a benefit for something. He went on the next night, did a normal set, and apologized for his behavior. I think it's brilliant. And it's pretty brilliant. That's the best. You know, like it's it's not fair. Like comedians, there's been a real chill, and um, it's not right that the stand-up stage, the stages should be sacred, and um, what goes on the stage should stay in the stage. It's nobody's business. Do you, I'm not meant to be posted and, and, and discussed by people who weren't there. Are you going up? How often are you going up each night or each week? Oh, now this this tour, like four to six times every week. Like okay. Six, yeah. Are you hitting six any times. open mics or no? Pardon me? Are you going to any open mics or no? No, I'm not during this tour. I'm too tired. No, okay. no. <laughs> Do you, and all these are in, these are your rooms though. These aren't, uh, you're always top billing at these. It's always you and Kevin, correct? Yes. But that doesn't mean there aren't people, many people there that are there to see a comedian. They're not there to see us. Absolutely. Do you know? So it's different than a theater. There's, so, there's lots of people that are just going to comedy. Absolutely. They have no idea what we're, who we are. Could you imagine yourself doing that? I don't get that. When people go to a show and they have no idea what they're about to see. No. It boggles my mind. No. I wouldn't uh, do that. Uh, do you no, because no, I don't. I don't like stand-up comedy enough to do that. Like, I love certain people. Yeah. But I would not want. I'm not interested in going to just a night of random stand-up. No. 
I'm sadly on your side again. Um, yeah. It, since everything is being filmed nowadays, do you even think that the kids in the hall or any sketch group at this point could have their own show if they're performing live? Well, here's the, I don't think so. Okay. I honestly don't think anyone could. We were lucky. I think that we got in at the very end. Mm-hmm. Like, we were allowed to operate in obscurity for enough time that by the time we ended up on television, we were ready. Yeah, you guys were kind of like the replacements or something. You had like four records on Well, that's what, Kevin says we're the Pixies. I say we're the replacements. <laughs> well, the replacements... true. Yeah, those are the people that we are. Like, yeah. we, you know, and other people that came after our, our Nirvana, because that was our generation. That's who we started with. And, yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, I look at comedians like groups today, and they get discovered too young. They don't have their chops and they post something on YouTube, that doesn't mean that they have what it takes yeah. for the long haul. And and just because you have 10 million hits on something, that doesn't mean anything. That's one piece. That's nothing. Um, we definitely have enough for the print edition right now. Um, okay. I am a huge fan of yours, and I was very nervous to talk to you. Oh. I'd much rather... Like that. I, I host a talk show. And it's a weekly okay. talk show, and it's in Chicago and New York and D.C., and I travel around, and I have some famous guests, some no no one, no names or whatever, and there's only a handful of people that I'm ever actually nervous to talk to, one of which was the like the childhood DJ I grew up listening to, uh, one right. of which was you, and it's because the, all the people that I liked at 12 years old are always going to be the people I liked and are always going to be intimidated by, specifically anyone I actually want to drink with. Right. So it was very. I'm very, very glad that you weren't a, a dick to me in any way. You're a very, very nice oh, man. Good. Thank you. And uh, I wish you the best in DC. And uh, yeah, if there's any, if, if I'm going to definitely harass you to come on my talk show one of these days. Great. Thank you very much. Follow us on Twitter at YMTE. Friend us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/youmethemeverybody. And for details on Monday and Tuesday nights at the Hungry Brain, go to youmethemeverybody.com. <laughs>